I was watching a video on Facebook just a few days ago, and it was this incredible stuff that was going on for a magic show. And I kept wondering, how did they do that? Well, in the previous story, what we looked at is how do we read to keep track of the different sections and when it's changing from one thing to another. In this text, The Power of Nothing, what we're going to be doing is that as well, but we're going to add another layer to it because what we want to be able to do as readers is be able to think about how did they do that? How did they write that in a way that was powerful, interesting, effective? And those are the things we're going to be noting as we read this part. Um, Michael Spector is the author of this particular piece. He is a staff writer for the New Yorker magazine and has written articles for the New York Times as well as the Washington Post. Many of his articles have focused on science and global health, examining topics like tuberculosis, AIDS, avian influenza, malaria, as we read before, healthcare systems in other countries, scientific efforts to resurrect extinct viruses, genetically modified food, the human genome, and a host of other topics. He is an award-winning journalist and has twice won the Global Health Council um, Annual Excellence in Media Award, as well as the AAAS Science Journalism Award. Spectre's book, Denialism, How Irrational Thinking Hinders Scientific Progress, Harms the Planet, and Threatens Our Lives, published in 2009, investigates the growing trend in the United States and Europe of rejecting scientific thought and data and the implications this holds for scientific inquiry and progress. In 2010, he delivered a TED Talk on the danger of science denial. So here we go. The power of nothing. Could studying the placebo effect change the way we think about medicine? Now, one of the things that we look at here is how a writer begins. And what you notice here that this writer has done is he starts out with a hypothetical, a what if. That's something that we could write about as his technique. He's posing a thought experiment. What if that was true? Another thing that you may note here is a word gap. If you don't know what placebo is right here, that's a word gap for you. And it will impact your ability to understand what this writer is talking about at, the po at this point. So you might need to take care of that. So now it moves, it has that large blank space in there again, which is a signal to us that the writer is changing techniques or thoughts. And he begins. For years, Ted Kepchunk performed acupuncture at a tiny clinic in Cambridge, a few miles from his current office at the Harvard Medical School. He opened for business in 1976 on a street so packed with alternative healers that it was commonly referred to as Quack Row. Kepchuk had just returned from Asia, where as an exiled alumnus of the turbulent 60s, he had spent four years honing his craft. 
There were lots of alternatives on that street in those days, but no practitioners of Chinese medicine. Kapchuk, who is 64 and still lives in the neighborhood, told me recently, as we sipped Chinese tea in the study of his house. Now, what we're seeing here is that the writer has immediately gone into an example of someone he's interviewing for his research on this article. For us, as readers, he's using an anecdote. He's using a small story of this man to help bring in his point. So that would be the next thing that I could write down about what this writer is doing. Now, we see next that he's included, and you'll see these several places throughout the rest of the article, of he quotes specific language from this person, Kapchuk, that really is connected to back with that thing about the placebo effect and how we think about medicine. The area is a little too L.L. Bean for my taste now, he said. It was a different place then. This one is a contrast and a contradiction. You also have that whenever you've got, um, he has the Harvard Medical School and acupuncture and that he was an exiled alumnus. You know, all of these things, Harvard is supposed to be really respected. But the acupuncture is generally not. And the quack is something that is also derogatory. Not long after Kapchuk arrived in Boston, he treated an Armenian woman for chronic bronchitis. A few weeks later, she showed up in his office with her husband, who had a Persian rug slung over his shoulder. He nodded to Kapchuk and said, this is for you. Kapchuk accepted the rug, which he still owns, but had no idea what he had done to earn it. Oh, doctor, you have been so wonderful, the woman told him. You cured me. I was about to have an operation on my ovaries, and the pain went away the day you saw me. Kapchuk never spoke to the woman again, but he has been unable to get her out of his mind. There was no way needles or herbs did anything for that woman's ovaries, he told me, still looking mystified, 35 years later. It had to be some kind of placebo, but I had never given the idea of placebo effect much attention. I had great respect for the shamans, and I still do. I have always believed there is an important component of medicine that involves suggestion, ritual, and belief. All ideas that make scientists scream. Still, I ask myself, could I have cured her? How? I mean, what could possibly have been the mechanism? And I think these quoted words right here are really good examples of a continued elaboration of the what if that helps us understand that initial question more deeply.